0: means these technologies are now here and starting to be used. or just around the corner, from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with the Future Tech Podcast. I'm here with Caitlin Long, uh, the chairman and president of Symbiont, and we're going to be talking about uh, smart security for the blockchain ecosystem. Caitlin, how you doing?
1: Hey, doing great, thanks. How are you?
0: Doing good. Doing all right yeah um so yeah if you if you would tell listeners what does Symbion do?
1: Well, we are a smart securities platform built for enterprise for the financial institution and reg tech markets specifically so we are not a general purpose platform um, we are specifically built from the ground up for institutional financial services and uh and and registration of assets uh I'm sure we'll talk about our relationship with the state of Delaware and the news that just came out of Delaware passing the Delaware okay, Blockchain yeah. Initiative. But, uh, but, yeah, that's what we do. No cryptocurrency associated with us, though, of course, I'm personally a big fan of that. Uh, and uh, okay. uh, we, we're, we're, we are about uh, smart contracts in the financial sector specifically.
0: Yeah, so I was going to ask you, what kind of needs do uh, large financial institutions have that blockchain-based applications can solve and smart contracts?
1: Oh, gosh. The the fundamental need is actually pretty simple. The big financial institutions duplicate information and reconcile with each other. And if there are market structures where parties can actually share the same information, they no longer have to duplicate it and reconcile it. And there's a tremendous amount of workflow involved in the duplication and reconciliation of the exact same information. Um, a, a good example of that is in the syndicated loan market where that market is notorious for sh- for sending 25 million faxes a year among the different banks. And each of the banks actually has employees who take the fax off the fax machine and code the exact same information that was sent to each of the banks uh, into their own system. And then they subsequently go and reconcile it. So, there's, there's just no economic benefit to having done that uh, duplicative and, uh, work that then has to be reconciled. So um, that's, that's the basic use of blockchain and financial services.
0: Well, it sounds like that would um, create a lot of potential errors. You know, if someone's tired or they just don't look closely enough, um, what's the error rate in the industry? And what, what do you think the financial impact is of doing it this arcane way?
1: Oh gosh, the error rate is pretty high, um, uh, surprisingly so. And, and I and I witnessed it. I spent 22 years on Wall Street before joining Symbian. and uh, it, it, there there are a lot of what's called failed transactions, a lot of misdirected payments, a lot of uh, securities trades that just don't settle because something was wrong in the in the settlement instructions, and they have to go and uh, be be torn apart and uh, forensically uh, analyzed to see, you know, where the money was misdirected. Uh, the good news is that, in my experience, um, misdirected payments were always uh, returned because institutions, of course, always deal with each other. And they know that uh, if they received a payment in error, they might be just as likely to pay a payment in error the, the next time. So they all play nice in the sandbox. But, uh, boy, it costs a lot of money to to maintain the infrastructure to be able to do all of that back office work and that piece of it is ultimately what this technology is aimed at improving. Um, and then of course because it takes so long for these transactions to go through all these labyrinthine workflows that we just alluded to, there's a there's there's something called a capital charge that the large financial institutions have to to hold. They have to hold capital against the unsettled. Transactions and as a result, um, that's expensive for them too. So they can actually pull capital out of the business as well as pulling costs out of the business. That's a pretty powerful economic incentive for implementation of the technology.
0: So, how big are these numbers estimated to be uh, worldwide, or even within a particular country for the banking system? You know, the capital required to uh, deal with transactions that are lost or an error and the um, back-end office processing. What's your what's your guess, or have you seen estimates on the number? How many millions or quadrillions is it?
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, it, it's, <laughs> it, it's big. It, it's a good question, and, and I will say the fact that there aren't great estimates gives you a sense that the industry doesn't have a very good sense of its own cost structure because each individual um, institution is just part of a chain-linked, a group of institutions that don't have visibility into uh, how to improve the workflows. But that having said, um, but having been said, Oliver Wyman came out with a report. It was the first report I remember, and I believe it was early 2015, in conjunction with a Spanish bank called Santander, and they estimated that the big banks could save 18 to 22 billion dollars by 2022 with deployment wow. of these technologies and I remember you know that sounds like such a huge number but I remember thinking at the time because I worked inside a bank I knew what the ca- cost structure was that was way too low <laughs> an estimate really? of the cost savings if this technology really took off and um, and it, it, the subsequent cost savings estimates that have come out of the consulting firms I think Accenture uh, created a, a more recent um, estimate of cost savings uh, for a subset of the banking industry and and, and their estimate went way up of the potential cost savings. And so they're starting to to realize. But I think the most interesting thing about that first report was that it was received by the banking industry with some degree of, of uh, disbelief and almost ridicule because everyone thought that the estimates were way too high. And in fact, actually, uh, now it's coming out that those estimates were actually too low and the potential mm. cost savings are greater. But With all that having been said, this is not a short um, upgrade cycle. This is going to take years. And so I think the hype cycle in the blockchain industry, to some extent, has gotten ahead of at least the big financial institutions' um, time time cycle for adopting the technology on math. That's going to take time.
0: So what's it going to look like, the solution that you think? Is it going to be a private blockchain that only institutions of a certain size are connected to? Is it will be public? Will... There'll we get token for some reason? You know, what, what will the solution look like, you think? You
1: no, know, I think in different markets, there are going to be lots of different solutions that come, that bubble up to the top. It completely depends on the market. And uh, so uh, you see lots of different uses for, uh, for, for Bitcoin, for example, just to take the first um, crypto asset. Um, there's a tremendous amount of emerging market activity happening in small value payments. It's not so much anymore because the uh, fees have gone up, Um, but Bitcoin, as as those of us in the community know, for the last few years has really been an emerging market story. It hasn't been a developed market story. And it is is just cheaper to move money um, from country to country using Bitcoin than to go through a traditional foreign exchange provider. Um, That's just one example. So Uh, And I do believe that in in certain niches of of foreign payments, especially um, remittances, that Bitcoin actually really can uh, make significant inroads. But uh, in, in, uh, for example, the Delaware Blockchain Initiative, the big financial institutions and governments are not interested in uh, using a um, pseudonymous system like Bitcoin because they don't know who the end customer is and they don't know um, – that they're not involved in anti-money laundering. So the big financial institutions have much greater compliance requirements, and as a result, uh, they, they tend to gravitate more towards these private systems. But that said, sure. I think there will be many blockchains that will all integrate with each other. Frequently, folks use the word interoperate with each other. I think integrate with each other is a, is a much better word um, and in different markets, different different systems will bubble up to the top based on the unique characteristics of that market and which technology addresses those characteristics the best.
0: So, if you could snap your fingers and put your solution in place right now, what do you what would that look like? So, you know, tomorrow everyone adopts it, and it's your best guess on what you think will work well for, you know, for different use cases within the industry. What, what would it look like?
1: Yeah, uh, great question. So uh, we are are already providing a platform for the syndicated loan market. Again, institutional market, that's um, large financial institutions trading with each other in the big institutional loan market to big companies. Um, And there are 19 financial institutions that worked with us on a big proof of concept that we delivered at the end of March. And uh, Credit Suisse is the quarterback of of that project. And they have publicly said on the record in other interviews that they expect to have loans live on the platform in early 2018. So that kind of gives you a sense of their timing. Um, and we think we can we can meet that timing. But again, uh, you know, this isn't something that happens overnight. Um, so so that's loans. And then what's next? We actually think the Delaware Blockchain Initiative is really important to getting the securities markets changed over to blockchain technology. This is going to take a long time, but I think the fixed income markets go next. So you'll see that the, the private uh, bond market, like corporate bonds, asset-backed securities, mortgage-backed securities, and the like will start to use the blockchain technology before the, the public equity markets do. And right alongside okay. the fixed income markets, private equity Companies like like and ourselves, we're a private company. We will be using the technology ourselves, and uh, we will be eating our own dog food to use a tech industry um, term. And uh, and we will be <clears throat> converting to our own system as soon as uh, it's possible to do so in Delaware.
0: So how come um, some bank systems are using fax still? Why you know those databases have been around computers, internet for quite a while. How come they haven't upgraded at least partially and and you do everything by computer and have an interbank system where they trade with each other and settle with each other? Why is it steps behind that with paper and facts still? Why does big yeah, jump well, all of a sudden?
1: And, and by the way, um, that the syndicated loan market is not alone. If you if you've ever uh, taken out a mortgage, uh, you realize that the mortgage market is paper based. And I learned mm-hmm. something fascinating. The 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 average number of times that your physical loan file changes hands, that is the papers that you signed at closing. The average right. number of times that it, that physical loan file is delivered by a you know the FedEx man um, is four before the loan ends up in a mortgage-backed security where its its final resting place is until it pays off. Right, so four mm-hmm. different times um, that's being messengered or, or FedEx or UPSed around to different financial institutions It's crazy. And and yet um, they, they, to answer your question, why the I think it comes down to the fact that most of the investment in the financial industry in the last 20 years, as one of Symbian's board members, Duncan Niederauer, says, he's the former CEO of the New York Stock Exchange. He says, in the last 20 years, most of the investment was invested in the front office technology. So we got really, really, really good at settling equities trades in milliseconds. But what we didn't do is invest in the, in the back office, the clearing and settlement procedures which are still lumbering and labyrinthine and really slow and manual and prone to errors. And so he says, and I think he's right, that the next 20 years on Wall Street will be all about cleaning up the back office processes to match the big investment that was made in the front office. Uh, and in the last 20 years, it was mostly the front office and the back office was struggling to keep up. And I think he's right. It, it, I, you'd be amazed at the number of people who worked with me in the front office during my career who have looked into getting into blockchain because they see that a ball is rolling in the financial sector to use this technology. And yet, if they don't have back office skill sets, uh, it's tough to make that transition.
0: Yeah. So it's like being um, in a room full of, uh, you know, sort of being on the trading floor of the New York Stock Exchange. And then you go behind the wall and there's like hamsters running in wheels to power uh, all the equipment. <laughs> but it sounds
1: like... Yeah, that's, that's exactly what, what's true. It's, uh, you know, the mortgage backed securities market, this was at the center of the 2008 financial crisis and there was a lot that came out then about this entity called MERS and, um, Mm. and how sloppy the paperwork was. And, uh, there were (laughs) robo signers on documents and, and boxes, uh, not checked and I's and T's not dotted and crossed respectively uh, and that was, a, that was a mess. And so we realized that the back office was not keeping up with the mortgage origination volume during the mortgage boom. And the same thing is true in the equities markets. The back office is not keeping up with the trading boom that has, that has um, happened over the last decade in, in equities markets as electronic trading came into being. I'll give you a good example of that. There was just a really interesting case that came out of the Delaware Chancery Court um, as most of your listen- listeners would know, Delaware is, is where a majority of U.S. corporations incorporate. It's got the best and most developed court system and body of case law, very clear rules on what is expected of executives and directors. So um, there's very clear rule of law if you incorporate in Delaware, which is one of the reasons most companies do. And this case was it, it involved Dole Food, the pineapple company. and mm. uh, The the facts are uh, not uh, that critical except for this one, which is that there were 36.7 million shares outstanding, and there were more than 49 million valid claims filed for those 36.7 million shares outstanding. So roughly one-third more shareholders showed up to claim Dole Food shares than actually existed. And Hmm. uh, that's admittedly an extreme example, but it just goes to show you that uh, the system does not always keep accurate track of who owns what in spite of all right. of the investment that's been made in it. Uh, it's, it's not accurate. And I think when it comes down to recording who owns what, that's, that's a pretty fundamental uh, registration requirement of capitalism, of, of, of companies, of, of, of property rights. The system has right, to keep yeah. good track of who owns what. And, uh, and if it doesn't, um, you know, imagine if, if two people showed up uh, claiming that they owned your house and yeah, you thought, exactly. gosh, you know, I own my house. But that could happen. Um, and it doesn't very often. But if you get stuck in those kinds of situations like the Dole food shareholders did, it's very unfair to mom and pop. And, and I think this is one of the reasons why I love what Symbian is doing and respect what a number of other blockchain companies are doing, trying to improve the accuracy of books and records because they ultimately want to ensure that mom and pop, the, the real investors, mom on the street, mom, you know, mom and dad on the street, um, yeah. it's mutual funds, pension funds, insurance companies, they want markets to be fair to those investors and not to the hedge funds who figured out how to take advantage of balls that get dropped in the settlement system, for example, um, and, you know, trying to double dip on, in situations like the Dole Food case. That's fundamentally unfair to regular folks. And, and right. philosophically, that's what blockchain companies like Symbian are trying to clean up.
0: All right. We'll, we'll get to the new Delaware legislation in a minute. But I, I just have one more question. Why now? If the backend systems have been so antiquated for so long, why now? How come this didn't happen 10 years ago or five years ago or right at the end of the financial crisis? Is it because blockchain technology is so exciting and sexy or is it, you know, and are, are banks ready or they feel like they feel compelled to take on this new technology because it's, it's everywhere?
1: Uh, yeah. Why now is obviously Satoshi Nakamoto when, when he, she, or they created Bitcoin came up with something revolutionary and the technologists explained to me that what bitcoin is was there wasn't a whole lot new in bitcoin itself but what it did was took different things that had been building over the years and combined them in a way that had never been combined before and that opened the eyes of a lot of people to the reality that distributed systems could replace centralized hub and spoke IT architectures um, I recently heard our chief technology officer, Adam Krelenstein explaining also that it's the consensus mechanisms that are used in distributed systems. The algorithms got a lot better in the last 10 years. And again, that's part of the reason why Satoshi was able to create Bitcoin in the first place, the, cons- the proof of work consensus mechanism. He was able to create uh, a means by which disparate parties who don't know each other can reach, uh, can-, can create um, a shared record of truth. and. Uh, it, the the IT systems did not exist to be able to to, to do that until fairly recently. So it is uh, an expansion of IT capabilities. But I, I think implicit in your question is, gee, did we really have to wait for blockchain to take the syndicated right. loan market off the fax machine? No, of course we didn't. Uh, but there exactly. was just so much inertia and um, and and and. Nothing that would have actually taken costs out by leaps and bounds uh, that, that as a result, um, blockchain was the, was the right thing to come along at the right moment in time. Um, I think that sure. I, I mentioned earlier, the hype cycle has gotten ahead of itself. I do think this is going to take a long time. Um, and I've said it may take 20 years uh, to, for the whole financial sector to uh, pervasively start using this technology, um, in part because the switching costs are very high. And it, this, this IT architecture is very different, as I alluded to previously, from the existing systems. And so it doesn't plug into the existing systems very easily. It actually is more of a replacement than a, a simple upgrade um, right. to give yourself new bells and whistles. So, therefore, it is just going to take longer.
0: That makes sense. Okay. All right. So let, let's talk about the uh, there was recent legislation passed in Delaware in regards to cryptocurrencies and you know, token-based assets. Can you tell me what that was and, and how does that affect you guys and how are you guys playing into it?
1: Sure. So it is July 11th or July 12th when we're recording this. And as of now, the governor has not yet signed the bill. So it's, uh, it's been uh, passed by both the House and the Senate nearly unanimously. And so it's okay. on the governor's desk. And if he signs it, it takes effect August 1st. Now, the, the world doesn't change with the flip of a switch on August 1st. Uh, what will happen is uh, that will enable companies to maintain books and records in, blo- in blockchain form. So anyone who's using an Excel spreadsheet will now legally be able to use a blockchain to keep track of their of their shareholder uh, um, uh, and and uh, corporate uh, directors and corporate registries, uh, as well as. Um, uh, what's called UCC1 filings, which is the filings that banks make to perfect a security interest uh, over collateral when they lend uh, against collateral. So um, uh, so that takes effect August 1st. The real benefit in my mind will be when the Delaware Division of Corporations incorporates into the blockchain, uh, that will enable something really, really important, which is the financial institution at its genesis moment at its very creation if that financial instrument is created on a blockchain every workflow related to it upstream over the years can then be digitized and traced back to that initial inception moment when that financial instrument was created on a blockchain if that financial instrument is created in a piece of paper then everything down down the, down the road over the uh, subsequent years that takes place related to that financial instrument has to tokenize somewhere along the line. And so the ability to register the actual instrument, to have it live its entire life from inception to its natural maturity, maybe 30 years later, for example, on a blockchain, that's the critical aha of the Delaware Blockchain Initiative. And that is going to require the Delaware Division of Corporations um, to to use the technology and stay tuned for some announcements from them about that. But as of August first, blockchain replaces spreadsheets <laughs> for for <Right>. companies <laughs> keeping track of their of their capital structures if they want. What
0: do you think is going to happen? Which blockchain Are people going to all of a sudden start using a certain one, or is it? I, I'm sure one will come to the fore, but you know, there's services yeah. like Factum that can take data and. Merkle tree it in and squash it down so it can be anchored into the Bitcoin blockchain. But which one do you think will be used and what do you think the first uses will be?
1: Sure. Well, we have a relationship with the state of Delaware. So uh, I think uh, Symbian blockchain will likely be the, the one, at least for those who want to actually register at inception with the state of Delaware. And again, I think that's where the benefits are are the greatest. So uh, this is something that Symbian uh, has worked very closely with a number of of lawyers in the state of Delaware on. This was a a project that was more than 18 months in the making to get this law changed. And yes, you're absolutely right. Other blockchain companies will benefit from it. Um, But those companies that are interested in using the Division of Corporations blockchain will be using the Symbian blockchain. Um, So I think to, to answer your question then about the first use cases, The UCC filings is a big one. And again, that's kind of inside baseball. That's When a bank lends against collateral that's not real property like like land or a house, Um, Mm -hmm. they they file what's called the UCC-1 financing statement. And that's what gives them the ability to take that collateral into their ownership. They actually file a lien against that collateral in the form of the UCC-1. But that is a very manual process itself. Most states, that's still paper-based. Um, and lawyers are the ones who are filing these. And it's actually the legal community who's welcoming this change the, the most because they can file these online and they can file them immediately so that the lender never has any gap period when not, their loan is not secured. Technically, right now, most securitizations, for example, the, uh, the investors are unsecured for three days until the UCC filing gets done. And it usually takes a couple of days to get it done. Um, and now it can be done instantaneously. so there won't be a moment in which the the investors aren't secured by the collateral. So um, UCC filings are, are a big one. and then as I mentioned earlier, the uh, use of of the blockchain to track private company capitalization tables. Symbian, as I, I also mentioned earlier, we'll be eating our own dog food. We are looking to convert from our existing, paper-based Delaware registration into blockchain registration as soon as that becomes possible.
0: It sounds good that people will be able to put information on a blockchain, but it seems like the number one most critical thing is allowing my blockchain to talk to your blockchain. Otherwise, it, it's, it seems like having an Excel sheet that you can't email to anyone and it only lives on your computer. It,
1: maybe yeah. I'm wrong,
0: but it just seems like the interoperability of blockchains or the use of a common public one is going to be the most important thing about this.
1: Uh, it's, right. It's not interoperability, it's integration. So blockchains can serve as oracles to other blockchains, and that's how I think it will take place. That, that is, that is the, uh, the, the, uh, the end game here. Um, and when you are asking earlier what the, what the different blockchains were, I, as I mentioned, I think there will be dozens, if not hundreds, that will pop up and all the different institutions will be plugging into them, and they will all be using and feeding information back and forth between each other. So that's how I think this this will play out. They they will become oracles to each other. That makes
0: sense. What's so? What's your roadmap? You said uh, the whole process for large institutions is going to take a while, but what's your roadmap for the next six months, for or a year, and then you know two three years out? I can't help but look short-term compared to the sure. most things because everything in this world seems to be so short-term.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, we've got our head down, uh, working on our existing projects, syndicated loans, uh, like credit, we had said publicly early 2018 for production on that. We are also, um, working on the Delaware piece. So stay tuned for more news about that. We're heavily focused on private equity use cases for a couple of unannounced, uh, uh clients. And, um, and, and we've also done a lot of upgrading the technology. I, one of the things about being a proprietary platform is that we've actually been able to move very quickly in building capabilities on the platform. And we just demonstrated yesterday at the Smart Contracts Alliance uh, Blockchain Fly In Day in Washington, D.C. There were 70 different blockchain companies who got together to go visit congressmen yesterday. And, and, and we gave the demo and we demonstrated uh, to a group of congressional staffers. Uh, how our our private equity solution works, and we we randomly selected two people from the audience. one gave their name, the other gave their address. And we on the fly created shares to issue in a mock company to to uh, this gentleman with a, a lady's address. Um, we were doing that just to prove that we were be, we were able to pull out information in real time on the fly store it on the distributed ledger, and then go back and use that information to create a stock certificate that could then be printed out and sent in PDF form. But it all came from the blockchain. This is, this is the um, core functionality that we've built for the state of Delaware. Uh, and uh, it, 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 was, it went off without a hitch. Uh, there'll be some stories that I know uh, the, the press is working on about that demonstration. We'd never demonstrated that in public before. Uh, But it's some unique capabilities that Symbian's platform has. Um, Like, for example, it's storing data on the ledger. We actually store a lot of data on the ledger because of the way we've architected it. We knew big financial institutions would want to store a lot of documents on the ledger. And these, again, are replicated to all of the nodes in the network. So it's a very different IT architecture than Bitcoin, which, of course, limits the amount of data storage that happens um, uh, within within uh, a Bitcoin transaction. So uh, very different architecture and geared towards financial uh, financial institutions. And we demonstrated that value yesterday in front of a, a live audience. So it was quite exciting.
0: Very good. Um, any other things that you wanted to talk about that I, that I should have asked?
1: Well, I, I realized I didn't answer your question about two to three years down the road. I do think public mm-hmm. securities will will end up on blockchain, there are a number of companies, ourselves included, working on on ramps and off ramps between the existing public security systems, which are very different in their in their ownership structure, and uh, and blockchain ownership systems, where the in the blockchain the individual um, securities owners would actually own the shares in their own name. That is not how that how the public securities markets work today, and so creating bridges between the two systems. I think is going to be how the public markets end up using blockchain. And we're hard at work on that. I won't promise that that's going to happen quickly. We think that's going to take quite a bit of time. But again, the Delaware Blockchain Initiative is, uh, is, is one of those necessary but not sufficient steps in order to pave a path toward restoring private property rights in securities back to the record owner of the securities as opposed to having them owned in street name.
0: Yeah, no, definitely. It's going to be very important. In many countries around the world, some of which have zero property rights and governments and uh, all kinds of people are stealing from them, you know?
1: Oh, and we salute, you know, uh, there's so many blockchain companies that are working on cool things and we salute the companies that are working on establishing property rights in places where they don't exist. I, I think the perception is that property rights are well established in the United States. But if you look at the securities markets, I've seen a lot of problems and that Dole Food case is an admittedly extreme example. Uh, but how it's possible that one-third extra shareholders showed up um, relative to what what shares had been legally issued and outstanding in a in a publicly traded company? Just think about that for a moment, and and ask yourself whether the property rights in the United States are so clearly defined as we think they are. They're not, and blockchain, of course, is the way to do that. So uh, all the companies working on land titles in emerging markets. Uh, Godspeed. I, I, I just I wish everyone well in in uh, in being able to create accurate records of private property ownership because that is ultimately empowering to the individual and that's what's so exciting about this technology. It's great to stand for accuracy in in record keeping because there are lots of places, as we all unfortunately know, where records are not accurate and they need to be.
0: Okay, very good. Well, I appreciate you coming and um, I'm glad you're working on this this kind of stuff. Some people are afraid to work in this arena, or they think that big institutions are just evil, and you know they shouldn't be helped or they're they're taking Bitcoin blockchain technology and you know warping it for their evil ways, but uh, i don't I don't see it that way, and that's why it's important to have companies and individuals like yourself on the podcast so we get this view of both sides of the of the ecosystem, as I call it,
1: yeah, and I do think that. There are some of us in a, in a so-called permission blockchain field who are very much keeping with the ethos of uh, public blockchains as well. And, uh, I, I, you know, I've said publicly, I think Bitcoin will end up being money. It may, again, take 20 years. It's not going to be a short process, but eventually the mainstream financial system will get comfortable with it. And it may morph so many times that it doesn't look like it does today. But we'll still call it Bitcoin uh, or maybe we won't call it Bitcoin, but it, the underlying uh, technology will be very similar to what we have today. This is going to tip. There's the, the genies out of the bottle. And the nice thing about applying this in institutional financial markets like Symbian is, is that we are very much keeping with the ethos of decentralization. We didn't create backdoors for Symbian to centralize roles in our system we are, we are not seeing client transactions. We're not signing client transactions. It is a decentralized system, except for the fact that it's permissioned so that the financial institutions can get comfortable with the know-your-customer and anti-money laundering rules, which is just a reality, whether we agree with them or not. Um, it's just a reality of how financial markets work today. And so that's why the public open systems are, are not deployable by the big financial institutions. They have to have... Permissioned systems, but within the permissioned systems, how centralized the system is is a, is a very good question. And there are very few systems in the permissioned area that are truly decentralized, and Symbian is one.
0: Well, very good. Well, thank you for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate it.
1: Thank you very much. The
0: Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Blockchain Super Conference is coming to Dallas, Texas, February 16, 17, and 18 in 2018.